Open your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 4. In the midst of the season, it's so wonderful just to be able to hit the pause button and come together as the body of Christ and worship our Savior, incoming King. Today is part three in our Christmas series entitled Advent, the Coming of Christ. The word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus mean, and it means coming, it's awaiting, an anticipation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first coming of Christ is a matter of history, it already happened. Christmas is that time of the year when we remember Christ first coming into the world, wrapping himself in, in human flesh, the divine taking, the divine nature taking on the human nature. The second coming of Christ is a matter of prophecy yet to be fulfilled. Today's main scripture text is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. The writer of Hebrews, he pens, seeing then that we have a great high priest, a great high priest, and I emphasize great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for your wonderful presence. What an honor it is to be in your presence. It's by grace and grace alone. Thank you for Jesus Christ who, who provided the way, who opened the way for us through his death, burial, and resurrection where we can come with confidence before your throne of grace and worship you, bring our needs before you. I pray today through the power of the Holy Spirit you would speak, God, to us through your word today. Open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. Be glorified through the preaching of your word. I pray that the, the church, the body of Christ, Lord, would be strengthened, would be built up, would be edified in their, in their precious and holy faith. And I pray today through the power of the Holy Spirit, those who are yet... Um, walking with you. They're searching. They're seeking. They know there's a void in their life. I pray today through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would reveal your love through Jesus Christ for them and draw them to yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Most of us are at a disadvantage when we read Hebrews chapter 4. Today's main scripture text, verses 14 through 16, because we don't have a clear understanding of what a high priest is. The main thing we need to know is that the high priest was the number one person in the Old Testament religious system. There were various levels and orders of priests in Judaism, but there was only one high priest. 
His chief job was to represent the nation of Israel on the Day of Atonement. The priest, the Old Testament priest, represented man before a holy God. Sinful man before a holy God. The Day of Atonement was the most solemn holy day of all the Israelites' feasts and festivals. It occurred once a year. Described in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verses 1 through 34, the atonement ceremony began with Aaron, who served as the first high priest of Israel. In Leviticus, chapter 16, verse 2, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. You see, on the day of atonement, the high priest, in this case, Aaron, would go behind the thick veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place or holy of holies in the tabernacle and later in the temple, the Lord told Moses to warn Aaron not to come into the most holy place whenever he felt like it. He could only come on this special day called the Day of Atonement. The Lord warned, lest he die, lest he die. On this special day, the high priest, Aaron, would offer the blood of a goat on the golden uh, mercy seat that sat upon the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant contained the Ten Commandments and some other things. Uh, the mercy seat was God's throne in the Old Testament. When the blood sacrifice was offered in the way God said it should, the sins of the people were atoned for or covered for another year. Leviticus chapter 16, I encourage you to read through it today or, or tomorrow in the coming week. The high priest, Aaron, was to bring two goats, one to be sacrificed. Leviticus 16 says, because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions, their sins, its blood was to be sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant. The other goat was used as a scapegoat. The high priest, Aaron, would place his hands on its head, confess over it the rebellion and sins of the Israelites, and, and then he would send the goat out with an appointed man who released it into the wilderness. The goat carried on itself all the sins of the people of Israel, which were forgiven for another year. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 20, 21, and 22 say, And when he, Aaron, has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, in the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an inhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. 
the high priest had to repeat the sacrifice year after year. When one high priest died, he was replaced by another high priest who continued the yearly um, sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. Now in Christ, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament has been abolished. Christ has become our great high priest who has passed through the heavens, which points to his divine nature. Jesus Christ is both God and man. He is Jesus, the Son of God. The name Jesus means Savior and identifies his humanity and his ministry on earth. Son of God affirms his deity in the fact that he is God. Jesus is his human name, and the Son of God is his divine title. In his unique person, Jesus Christ united deity and humanity so that he can bring to God and bring, so he can bring people to God and, and bring to people all that God has for them. Not only in his person is Jesus a great high priest, but also in his position. Aaron, who served as the first high priest, ministered in the earthly tabernacle. Once a year, he would enter the Holy of Holies. But Jesus Christ has passed through the heavens when he ascended to the Father. How much, think about this question here this morning. How much better is it to have a great high priest who ministers in a heavenly tabernacle than in an earthly one? He is enthroned in heaven. His throne is the throne of grace according to our main scripture text. The mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant was God's throne in Israel and was hid behind a thick, thick veil. The high priest only went alone beyond the veil and only on the day of atonement. The mercy seat was God's throne in Israel, but it could never be called a throne of grace because grace does not veil itself from the people. Grace does not hide itself in a tent. In the New Testament, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Can we thank God for the grace of God that brings salvation, it has appeared to all men at the first coming of Jesus Christ. Every believer in Christ is invited and is even encouraged to come boldly to the throne of grace that they may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus Christ, church, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, is enthroned in heaven 24-7. Jesus, our great high priest, is ministering mercy and grace. Mercy means that God does not give us what we deserve. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Grace means that God gives us what we do not deserve. Can I hear a big amen? Unlike the Old Testament sacrifices of the Old Testament high priest, Christ's sacrifice never needs to be repeated. It doesn't need to be repeated. 
Through his death on the cross, he made a complete and final atonement for our sins. On the cross, Jesus declared, it is Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 say, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath, God's wrath, through him. I'm so grateful. The removal of sin by the second goal was a living picture of the promise that God will remove our transgressions, our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, and that he would remember them no more. Psalms 103, 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions, our sins from us. I'm so glad when I blow it again, God doesn't become a history major. He doesn't bring up all my past failures. Those have been removed as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers them no more. It doesn't mean that God comes down with spiritual amnesia. He no longer holds them to our account. They're no longer a debt. They've been paid in full. That's glorious. That's life-changing, church. Can we praise him? He's worthy to be praised. Grace, grace, such grace. Psalms 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west... So far as he removed our transgressions, sins from us. So grateful. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 12 say, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. And then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, once for all, it is mm -hmm. Jesus is the right person to hear our prayers because he entered the holy of holies in heaven. The same Jesus who walked on the earth is now in heaven, having opened the way to God by his own eternal sacrifice. 
Jesus, Jesus is touched, church. Jesus is touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. He is touched by the weakness of our feeble flesh. Whatever touches us touches him. To, to say I feel your pain has become a cliche today that we, we often use. But in Jesus Christ, in his case, it's true. He is moved by our sorrow. He, he's aware of our tears and touched by our failure. He understands what we are going through because he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, according to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. He truly knows what we're going through. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, tested as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. Church, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I encourage you to read Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39 sometime this week. You'll be blessed. Jesus faced every temptation we can face. Every temptation. The word temptation is also translated test. According to 1 John chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, basically every temptation falls into three categories. Every test falls into three categories. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I'm glad to declare here today Jesus defeated the devil in all three of those areas. Can I hear a big amen? Where we failed, Jesus succeeded. Where we gave in, Jesus stood strong. Where we collapsed under pressure, Jesus obeyed his Father. Church, hear this this morning. Jesus is the right person. Can we say that together? Jesus is the right person with the right past. And he is also in the right place, seated in the place of honor at God's right hand to give us the help we need. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God has given every believer, you and me, access 24-7 to the throne of heaven, the holy of holies. And we don't have to worry about being taken out, lest you die. Oh, thank God for his grace. Thank God for the provision of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a blessing. We have access and are accepted by God only on the basis of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. The New Testament book of Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish believers outside of Jerusalem to encourage them that they had made the right decision in receiving Jesus Christ, following Jesus Christ, receiving by faith, Forgiveness offered through him, the gift of eternal life. 
The writer of Hebrews calls on the reader to consider Christ as superior, greater in every way. The letter's emphasis is to Jews contemplating returning to the religion of Judaism, to the old sacrificial system. You'll see um, in, in Hebrews, Jesus is greater than the Hebrew prophets. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. In Hebrew, the author lays out his case that Jesus is greater than Aaron and the Levitical priesthood. He's greater than the first high priest, Aaron, and the Levitical priesthood. Aaron was the first high priest in, in Israel's history. Judaism, starting, um, starting with, with Aaron, had a long line of high priests. But church, Christianity is not without a high priest. We have a divine great high priest. His name is Jesus. We have a redeemer great high priest. His name is Jesus. We have an eternal great high priest. His name is Jesus. For the person who wants to abandon Jesus for Moses or his brother Aaron means you are leaving the greater for the lesser. Why would you do that? Now, it's important to understand not just anyone could serve the Israelite community as a priest, much less as high priest. One of the first questions an early Jewish Christian would ask when told that Jesus holds the position of high priest was, is he qualified? Is Jesus qualified? The writer of Hebrews answers this question by reminding his readers of the qualifications of a high priest. Number one, he must be a man. He must be a man. Number two, he must be called to the priesthood by God. Called by God. And number three, he must offer sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 says, For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. Human priests, the human high priest was not sinless. He had to offer sacrifices for himself as well as the people of Israel. And verse 4 says, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God just as Aaron was. He must be a man. Last week I shared how John tells the Christmas story in just four words. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, The Word became flesh. God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. He has come with a human face. He is a God who has entered fully into the human mess, living in poverty, living with people who have a major, major sin issue. He lived a life full of compassion. We see this reading through the Gospels. He shows kindness to the outcasts of society. 
gives help to the poor, ministers to the sick and the broken. He cared about the stranger. The divine nature has taken on the human nature. He was tempted, tested, yet without sin. He got physically tired, worn out. He experienced the emotions of life from joy to sadness. God had to become man or he never could have been the great high priest of men. It was necessary for Christ to become a real man. A priest must be a man completely involved in the human situation. He must live with them. He must feel with them to minister to men as high priest. He must be from among men. Jesus Christ fulfills this qualification. Next, he must be called to the priesthood by God. It took more than being a man to become high priest. The one who served as high priest had to be called to this position by God himself. The writer of Hebrews makes clear that Jesus was called, appointed by God to serve as high priest. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 10 says, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This was interesting because God called only Aaron's family, the line of Levi, known as the Levites, out of all the families in Israel to the priesthood. But here in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 10, the writer says Jesus was called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. In the Old Testament book, the very first book of the Bible, Genesis um, chapter 14, we read about the first war in the Bible. After the war, Melchizedek stepped into the narrative as if out of nowhere, and as quickly as he stepped in, he, he vanishes again. Few persons in the Bible are shrouded in more mystery than Melchizedek, king of Salem the city that would one day be called Jerusalem. We know nothing of his ancestry, his family, or his exploits. All we know is what we read about him in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, when Melchizedek met Abraham, Abram after his victory. Verse 18 says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. Bread and wine are the symbols of the Lord's Supper instituted by our Lord and Savior at the Last Supper. Bread and wine. Hmm. You know, in just a few moments, we're going to gather around the communion table. As you read verses 19 through 20 of Genesis 14, Melchizedek blesses Abraham, and Abraham ties a tenth of the war spoils. Centuries later, after the first coming of Christ, the author of Hebrews looked at the account of Melchizedek and, and, and drew analogies between him and, and the ultimate high priest and, and king of, of Jerusalem. Melchizedek was a priest outside of the Levitical priesthood, therefore not a minister of the law of Moses, which came much later. 
Jesus Christ is the ultimate priest outside of the Levitical priesthood. Jesus wasn't from the line of Levi. He was from the line of Judah. Therefore, not a minister of the law of Moses, which he fulfilled in his first coming, Melchizedek, a king of righteousness, according to the Hebrew translation of his name, Jesus Christ is the king of righteousness because he purchased righteousness for us on the cross. Can I hear a big amen, church? Melchizedek, a king of peace, as, as Salem means peace. Jesus Christ, the prince of peace, who will one day bring a kingdom of universal peace. We won't have peace in this, wo- in this world until Jesus comes a second time. There's a better tomorrow coming, church. There's a better tomorrow coming. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Melchizedek was without a record of parents, having neither his beginning nor end recorded in Scripture. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, having neither beginning nor end, eternally one with the Father and the Holy Spirit as God the Son. You see, the priesthood of Melchizedek was was long before the start of the Levitical priesthood. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, we read, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, peace of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without Father without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Could the appearing of Melchizedek out of nowhere and then vanishing, being be an appearing of Jesus Christ? Was he just a picture, a shadow? Or did Jesus Christ appear? I mean, after all, Jesus is the king of righteousness. He's the king of peace. In the Old Testament, Psalms 110, verse 4, there's a prophetic word about the priestly office of Jesus Christ. You are priest forever. You are priest forever. Psalms 110, verse 4. You are priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Qualification number one, you must be a man. Jesus fulfills that qualification. Can I hear a big amen? Qualification number two, you must be called by God. Jesus fulfills that qualification. Can I hear a big amen? The third qualification is you must offer sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 says, But he, because he continues forever, speaking of Jesus, has an unchangeable priesthood. An unchangeable priesthood. When Aaron died as high priest, they had to find a new high priest. 
But he, Jesus, because he continues forever as an unchangeable priesthood, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Can I hear a big amen? Jesus fulfilled this third qualification when he offered up himself on the cross. John chapter 1 verse 29 says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the fulfillment of the ghost offered on the day of, of atonement. As I prepare to close... Everyone here today was born to live. Look at the person next to you. Everyone here today was born to live. Only Jesus was born to die. His purpose for coming and wrapping himself in human flesh was the cross. The shadow of the cross lay over the beauty of that first Christmas night. The child was born to die so that you and I might live eternally. You see, church, the real Christmas tree wasn't decorated with lights and beautiful, cute ornaments. The real Christmas tree was a cross that Christ hung on. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus died on a tree, on a cross for the sin of all the world. For you, for me. Galatians 3.13 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. I can't contain the praise that he alone is worthy of. He did this for me. He did this for you. He did this for us. As we wrap our Christmas gifts for that special someone in our life, I want to encourage us to remember Jesus offers you and me the gift of eternal life through his death. He died so you and I could live. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need.